Amen. Good evening. Great to be with you. Um, we're going to be reading from Luke 19, if you want to um, turn there. So if you're uh, new or visiting, I'll just let you know we're, we're in the middle of a, a series called uh, Growing Greener, and we're looking at how we can encounter, how our friends and family can encounter Jesus through what we call green spaces. And what that is doing is looking at the fact that we might say that something like this on a Sunday uh, might be yellow space. You know, when, you, when you're here uh, with other Christians and you're praying together, or you've got your small group at home, uh, or when you're praying with your Bible in the morning, that's your yellow space. Uh, and then when you're out at work um, in the rest of society, rubbing along your colleagues or other students or people at work or people, friends and family that don't know Jesus, that's your blue space, the great blue yonder. And we're looking at how we can bring those two places together and create these green spaces so that Jesus is everywhere that we are and people are encountering him everywhere that we go. And the way that we're doing that is we're using some gospel stories of following Jesus and learning from him. What we've been learning through these series um, and these teachings is basically not to overcomplicate it. So we're looking at what Jesus did and we're trying our best to do the same. So with that in mind, we're going to turn to Luke 19 and let's read um, the passage for today and see what Jesus can teach us. So Luke 19, verse 1 titled Zacchaeus and the Tax Collector. Zacchaeus, the Tax Collector, sorry. It says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Uh, he wanted to see Jesus, but he was a short man and he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house, to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what the lost. Great. So what exactly is going on here? It doesn't actually seem like a particularly strange story, does it? Jesus invited someone for dinner. It doesn't sound particularly out of the ordinary. Well, there are two things, first of all, to note as we get into this. The first is tax collectors, and the second is a thing that we call table fellowship. Um, and so we'll start with that one, table fellowship. So we all love eating together. I certainly love eating together. I'm a, um, a completely professed foodie. I absolutely love it. If you look on my Instagram, all you see is food. Um, so we all love eating together, don't we? But in Jesus' day, eating together was even more significant than it is today. Table fellowship is what uh, people, scholars call it. The way that people ate together um, would mean basically that where you ate, what you ate, and who you ate with defined so much about who you were and where the course of your life was heading. It defined who you were. Sitting next to the right person at a meal could quite literally change the destiny of your life forever. So meals were a place not only to approve status and statute, but also to exclude or to reinforce that you weren't welcome. So eating with someone meant that you were valued, that you were accepted, that you were loved, that you were part of that group. And not eating with someone meant you were not worthy and you were not welcome at all. If you imagine school dinners on steroids, I remember that moment every, every day going in, who am I going to sit next to? Will anyone talk to me? So Jesus invited Zacchaeus to dinner. 
Big deal? Well, maybe not. Well, actually, yes, it was a huge deal because Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Um, and tax collectors in Jesus' day were some of the lowest of the low in society. Nobody wanted to be associated with a tax collector in Jesus' day. Because basically what they used to do is sit at ports um, or borders and they would tax, um, they would charge a Roman tax. So the Romans would set what the tax needed to be and the tax collector would charge that tax, but they would also put on a premium of whatever they wanted to um, just for their own earnings. And they would basically go, if I like you, I might charge you a little bit less, but if it was Andrew, they might charge them five times more and just say, I'm just going to take that money. And there was nothing you could do about it. You had to pay the tax. So people did not like them. And, that, and even that in itself is quite hard to get our head around because we don't... You know, you wouldn't turn around to someone who works for HMRC and say, you're not coming to dinner at my house. It's not something that we can frame in our culture today. But it is essentially, the modern day equivalent would be like inviting a murderer or a prostitute or a paedophile to dinner with you. That, that would be what it would be like to, invite, to invite, invite someone like that to dinner. So, and Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was a chief one, so he was like in charge of loads of them. So it was basically like inviting a gang leader to your house and inviting them for dinner. Like people will be looking on so shocked. So Jesus was not only saying, I want relationship with you, but you're valued. And he was saying it to a tax collector. He was doing it to the lowest of the low in society. He was breaking every possible social barrier and custom clean out of the water in this moment. So we'll come back to that in a second. What, what I first want us to hone in on is the last verse um, of this passage. So Luke 19, verse 10, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now that's probably a very familiar verse, and most of us will be aware of it. It's why Jesus came to this earth. It's his overarching vision statement and mission statement of why he came. He came on this earth to seek and save the lost. It's why we're doing this Growing Greener series, to seek and save the lost, to see them saved. It's the reason that Jesus did everything that he did. It's the reason that he interacted with Zacchaeus, because he wanted to see him found and saved. And in the Gospels, we see this phrase, the Son of Man, three times. So we see it once in the story that we've just read now. We see it second in Mark 10, where it says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a reason for many. Again, a very similar purpose statement about why Jesus was here and what he was here to do. And the third time we see this phrase might sound a little unusual. Let's see what it says. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. This is how Jesus did the first two. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. So Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That was his purpose. The way that he did it was eating and drinking. It's how he did what he came to do. Jesus created the green spaces that we're looking at creating by eating and drinking. So the same is true for us. If we want to seek and save the lost, if we want to create these green spaces, then I propose to us this evening that we do it by eating and drinking. It is simple, eat and drink. Um, there's a guy called um, Robert Karras, who's a Christian author, actually says this. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. Um, I was going to go through all of the times we see Jesus at a meal, but we're, we're running out of time, so we'll move on. But I love that Jesus takes such a high priority on eating and drinking. We know that food is what sustains us in the physical, but Jesus endorses that too and goes even further and says it's what sustains us in the spiritual. It's what will bring us life. Fellowship stains it as well. 
So what Jesus was doing in this moment is he was yeast and salt. He was yeast and salt. And so if you know anything about making bread, um, yeast is what makes the bread um, or dough rise. It's a catalyst for change in the process of making bread. We've got some images that will come up actually. I was making some pizzas the other day. Um, great. So here's all the flour going in with some water. And you have to add some yeast to it and some salt to it. And then you knead it all together. And then this is what you end up with, dough. And if you didn't put the yeast in, it would stay like that. But when you put the yeast in, that's what happens to it. It more than doubles in size. And then you can see a nice pizza afterwards, which I enjoyed eating. Um, and so Jesus was the yeast in this situation. He took a step for change. He invited Zacchaeus down to him. He said, Zacchaeus, come here. He was a catalyst for change. He was changing culture. He did something that was different to the normal. We need to be the yeast. We need to be the catalyst for change in our society. God has called us to make a difference in the world that we live in, and we have to be the yeast that makes that change. Um, you know, we could look around to our neighbours. I don't think our neighbours are ever really going to invite us for dinner. I'm sorry, that, that just feels like the honest truth. We need to be the yeast that is the catalyst that says, come round for dinner. I want to know you. Come and Come, and ha- come to my house for dinner. Loneliness is a huge thing in society at the moment. So are we being a catalyst to change that? Are we, are we inviting people around our tables for food? Uh, my, my wife and I have never been rejected when we've invited our neighbours over for dinner. They've always said yes. And actually, we've always been really surprised at how available they are. They've said, yeah, we'll come tomorrow. Because people are desperate to have a relationship and to come and eat and drink. So, uh, and, and I don't want anyone to sit here and say, yeah, we're talking about being a catalyst, we're talking about changing culture and creating this space where we can um, share food and drink together, but I'm just one person, what, what can I do? Well, the whole point of yeast is that you only need a small amount, small amount to make a massive difference. There was 1.2 kilograms of flour in that uh, pizza dough mix and 14 grams of yeast, and it doubled it in size. So we're called to be yeast, we're called to make a difference. And food used to be at the heart of our community, and Jesus knew that. That's why he spent so much time eating and drinking. One in ten people suffer from loneliness in the UK. Um, And in fact, in uh, Cheltenham, they did some stats around loneliness. um, And from in 18 to 34-year-olds, the lowest score was that 40% of 18 to 34-year-olds said that they want more friends. 40%, 40%, and that was the lowest score, and it rose to uh, about 70% of 50 to 60-year-olds. The community around us is crying out for friendship and community and fellowship. A friend of mine was sharing, actually, at a shift weekend where we've just been, a guy called Jason, um, and he, he's kind of trying to rally some people around with this, uh, this thing called Know Your Neighbour. He's starting a hashtag called Know Your Neighbour. So he lives in London, uh, and he lives with there's 40 people in his block of flats, and he knows what um, a difficult place it is to live in London. So they've written handwritten cards to every single one of their neighbours and said, hey, we're here, we live in whatever number they live in, you know, we'd love to take you for a drink, take you for a curry, come round for food, and, and they're hoping that that's going to be a catalyst for change, and that they're going to create some community in their apartment block. It, it, it's, it's really quite simple, the stuff that we can do. Uh, there's a woman called Carolyn Steele, who's a famous architect, and she says this, Few facts are more expressive of companionship than a shared meal. Someone with whom we share food with is likely to be our friend, or well on the way to becoming one. So if you want someone to be well on the way to becoming your friend, invite them for food and drinks. 
you know, a load of us have just been at the shift weekend away and there was loads of time to eat and drink together. And that's where I made some new friends and got to know some people and got into the depths of people's lives and found out what's been going on with over some food and some drink. It just happened so naturally. Some, um, some workplaces are actually beginning to um, impose lunch breaks because they know how great it is for community and for life and for building relationships. Um, and I think that's great that workplaces are having to enforce it, um, but the church should be leading on it. Like, are, we, are we going around and saying to people that we sit at our desks and saying, let's go and eat some food, let's go and hang out, I want to get to know you, I want to know who you are. Um, let's just take a look at this um, video clip. Let's be a yeast and change the culture of this nation where people eat by themselves with their headphones in at their desks or by themselves at home or out of relationship with people or suffering from loneliness. There's a whole world out there that are desperate for relationships. And do you know what? There's one thing that the church does really, really well. It's relationships. But sometimes we do it a bit insular, don't we? So let's be a yeast. Let's be a catalyst and change society. Let's start inviting people around for dinner, for drinks and food. You don't have to be an amazing cook. You don't have to be able to cook really fancy meals. You know, you can order a takeout if you need. You can make beans on toast if it's what, what you need to do. But just get people round a table with some food and some drink and start some fellowship, start some friendship. It really is as simple as that. Be some yeast. Let's be a catalyst for change. It was Jesus' strategy, and it's our best strategy too. It's how Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and it is our best strategy too, both biblically, because we see it biblically, but also culturally, because we see culturally that it's what's needed so much at the moment now anyway. It's so easy to break down barriers. It's such a shared common interest of eating and drinking. Let's get around tables with people. So when we've done that, we've been the yeast, we've created the change, uh, people are coming for food, now what? Well, then Jesus was the salt, uh, and we need to be the salt too. Um, it says um, this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So salt brings out the flavor in food. We know that, don't we? In the same way that we are called to bring out the flavor in life and faith in those around us. That's what this passage is talking about when it says that we're the salt of the earth, to bring out the flavor, to bring out the Jesus flavor in all of our lives. Let our light, we need to let our light shine. And the interesting thing to note is that um, salt can actually kill yeast. Um, but without the salt, then the bread loses its structure. I'll, I'll just explain that a little bit. So if you don't put the salt in when you're making uh, the pizza dough, then it will rise really quickly, but it won't hold. It will just fall straight back down again. So the salt is really important to holding its structure. But if you put too much salt in, if you over-salt the bread or the dough that you're making, then it kills the yeast um, and it won't rise at all. So without salt um, or our faith, then our, the community that we create around people is pointless because it, it, won't, it won't have any impact. We're just, we're just creating friendships and there's nothing more. But if there's too much salt, this is the important thing, if there's too much salt, then it will kill it. People will just run a mile because they'll just think that we're, we're out as being Bible bashers. You know, that's not, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to create authentic, honest relationships with an equal balance of friendship and faith in the mix together.
Um, here's how not to do it when someone comes around for dinner. So it's a bit silly, but hopefully you get the point. It, it doesn't need to be this, this big elaborate thing about how you're going to weave into your faith into the conversation. It, like, it, it will just happen. Be the yeast. Be the catalyst. Invite people around for dinner and then let your light shine. Just have people for dinner. Ask them conversations. And if, you, if, you're, if you're close to the word, if you're praying regularly, it will flow out of you and it will happen in conversations really, really naturally. Carl and I have been... Um, on, on a really intentional journey every time. We've moved house twice while I've been in Cheltenham and we've, we've invited our friends and family around for dinner each time. And every time they've been like, yes, great, we can't wait, we'd love to be there. We've invited them around. We have never brought up our faith. It's just naturally flown out of conversations and then that has built an amazing relationship with people around us. They ask us questions about our faith on a regular basis. Um, we believe, you know, that sometimes they might, they might come and ask us to pray. They've not done that yet, but it's, it's just slowly, slowly, slowly. We don't need to, like, rush in. Just pray. Ask the Spirit to guide you. Just be you. Be salt and light in the situation. Eat and drink together. I think we'll, we'll all know the, the phrase, won't we? Belong, believe, behave. That's, that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to create a space in which people belong, first and foremost. That's what um, Jesus did first with Zacchaeus. Here we're creating belonging spaces. Jesus said, come, come down, Zacchaeus, you're welcome. You belong, you be here. And then the faith will shine through and people will then begin to believe just as Zacchaeus did. The first thing that he said after that was, Lord, he declared Jesus as Lord. The, the believing became the second thing after the belonging. And then it was the behavior thing where he started to sort his life out and begin to follow in the way of Jesus. That's not really down to us, that's down to the spirit. We just want to create spaces where people can eat and drink with us, be in relationship with us. This was modeled really perfectly in Acts, and I'm just going to read this passage to finish. In Acts 2, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who had been saved. It really is as simple as that. Eat and drink together, pray together, and the Lord will add daily to the number of the church. The, 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 you know, the, the disciples say they were living in community, they ate together, they were worshipping together, and then they were just inviting people along. They were saying, come and have food with us, come and drink with us, come and be part of our life, come and be part of our community. And then the Lord added to their number. It's not on us, it's on the Lord to do that. We just need to create spaces around a table eating and drinking. So if, if there's anything to take away from today, it's, it's eating and drinking. But particularly, are we being yeast? Are we being that catalyst change in society? Are we looking for the people, the Zacchaeuses that no one else wants to have dinner with and saying, come and have dinner with us. We, we want to value you. We want to have you around our table. And then are we just being salt? Are we just being Jesus-like around them? And the rest is down to the Holy Spirit. It really is. Do you want to stand and we'll pray? And we can, we'll go and do some eating and drinking ourselves soon over the road. Some hot dogs and drinks. But we'll just pray a little first.
So Lord, we want to thank you first and foremost for all that you are. You know, you, you are the reason, Jesus, that we're, we're having these conversations about how to share your love because it's changed our lives and, and we desperately want that for others, for, for those around us. We, we want to thank you, Lord, that it, it really is that simple. We thank you that you, you don't make it complicated. You don't write a million theories or, or complex books or courses about it. You, you just ate and you drank and, and we just want to do the same. And so, Lord, we, we want to pray that you would instill, us, instill in us what, to be a yeast. We want to be a catalyst for change in our culture. We want to say no to uh, loneliness and to isolation and to people eating by themselves. We, we know that's not how you design this world. We want to pray, Lord, that we'd be, we'd be just in line with you, we'd be daily rooted in your word so that your light would shine out of us. So come Holy Spirit, come and fill us. If, if you're new or visiting, we'd like to create some space to pray for one another. We believe that that's significant. We believe that the power of prayer changes things. So I don't know what that might look like for you. Maybe. Maybe there's something around being a yeast that, that you think, yeah, I want some of that and I, I just want someone to come alongside me and, and pray for me to, to be a yeast in my society, in my university, at my school gate, at work. I want to I have the boldness to say to someone that I don't particularly know, hey, come and, come and eat with me. So maybe if you want someone to pray with you for more of that, then I just invite you forward to this space now and someone will come and pray. Or maybe as I, as I was preparing, you felt, when I was reading about being salt of the earth, you, you felt, actually, I feel like I'm losing my saltiness. I feel like I'm struggling to, to be salt in situations because I'm not, I'm not feeling connected to the Lord and, and you want to get back in line with him so that you can share him with others. Well, a great way, a great thing to start that journey is to just to come forward now and say, Lord, I want, to be, I want to be wedded to you so that I am salt and light in the world. It could well be anything else. You know, we talked about healing this evening. Maybe you want to come forward for prayer, for healing, or you, you, you know, it doesn't need to be anything to do with uh, anything that I've said. Um, but we're just going to create some space now for people to come and pray with one another. So just make your way forward. If we could have some some church family to come and pray, that'd be great. Got a bit of time before food and drinks going to be served over the road. <laughs> 